Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. Every believer needs to understand who they are in Christ. In our series, Identity Theft, we'll do just that. Help each believer truly know who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Identity Matters podcast. I also want to welcome our local listeners. I didn't say loco. It's local. We have a trying message to give tonight. I'm sure that those who are listening, this might be a very difficult message to hear. I'm going to give you a direct Hebrew connection between rebellion and witchcraft. If you would ask your average Christ follower if they're involved in witchcraft, how do you think that they would respond? Exactly. In fact, they probably would think that they're doing opposite of partaking in witchcraft. Someone please define for us what witchcraft is. The modern Hebrew puts it in this way, in the English, once it's translated over. It says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Those of you who are reading your King James, you'll notice that it says divination. There is a huge difference between divination and witchcraft. Divination actually means that there is a divine medium that is using a human body to manipulate their words. Witchcraft, on the other hand, is actually practicing actions of Satan. Now, many translations, including my favorite, New American Standard Version, use the term witchcraft, if I'm correct. And King James uses divination. I'm actually going to show you a connection between Hebrew in the pictorial Hebrew that is going to state that the theologians who worked on both sides of the translation would tell you that both words are used, and they are. And we will talk about that, but I have a couple questions I'd like to have you answer before we get started on our message. One, listener, Do you consider yourself a rebellious person? Now, we did a message from the Hebrew on rebellion many moons ago. Does anyone remember what the definition of rebellion is? I will give you a little hint, and that hint is, even from the Latin, 
that goes back to the Greek, from the Greek that goes back to modern Hebrew, it is pronounced rebellion. What that is is detachment from the belly. When Adam and Eve chose to sin, they were detached from the umbilical cord that connected them directly to God. God was and still is called, one of his Hebrew names, his breasted one. It is a like a woman who is feeding her child through the umbilical cord. And rebellion is basically someone like Cain, like Adam and Eve did, and they reach up and they cut the umbilical cord. That's rebellion. So, considering yourself a rebellious person is a very good question for you to answer very quickly. It doesn't need much thought. Number two, have you ever been involved in witchcraft? Most view the term witchcraft as being something connected to some kind of game or video game, war game, of some type where there is some element or some power from a different world that is helping you in this interchange between you and this enemy force. Witchcraft is far more dangerous than the view that most people have today. Three, have you been dishonorable to a gray-haired old man? There's something about gray-haired old men in the Old Testament that you do not find very often unless Jesus spoke of it in the New Testament. Gray-haired old men have got some kind of special role that has been set aside by the living God. There's a certain level of of God's wisdom that is imparted to older people that is simply not imparted to younger people. When you have a young person who is experiencing the overflow of God's wisdom in their life, it is still much different than the wisdom that is being expressed through a gray-haired old man. You say, God doesn't hand out his wisdom in measurements like that. Yes, he does. We find in the New Testament of Jesus himself and Paul and a couple others talking about this measurement of faith that is given to each individual. If you take faith into the pictorial Hebrew, it kind of loses the idea of what is seen and heard and read in the New Testament about faith. It moves and breathes in such a way that it's almost like the breath of God breathing through an old man who is filled up with the mind and wisdom of God himself. To dishonor an old man in the Old Testament, there's a direct correlation to dishonoring God every single time it's done. But see, these old guys grow older. And they have to start wearing diapers. And they become dependent on others to bathe them. Some of them, some of the most powerful people in the world today, 
have become as simple as infants because of Alzheimer's. One of my all-time world leaders, Ronald Reagan, spent the last years of his life, 13 years of his life, I was actually granted his last interview before he went into Alzheimer's retirement. And the interview could not take place because Nancy made a decision he was not thinking clear enough to do the interview on that day. This is one of the greatest leaders that we have ever seen in America. He was as a child the last 10 years of his life. How does that happen? You see, the older we get, the more we're required by God to depend upon our children and our grandchildren to change our diapers, to feed us, to bathe us, to usher us to death with integrity. This is a huge part of gray-haired old men and the special anointing that comes from God himself to gray-haired old men that is clearly laid out to us in the Old Testament. Number four, do you consider yourself an enemy of Christ? Again, you could ask your average Christ follower if they are an enemy of Christ, and I'm pretty certain that you're going to get, what did you say? Of course I'm not. That's ridiculous for you even to ask me that. When I know that they are an enemy of Christ. Why? Because biblically the guidelines have been laid out in such a way that it's easy for us to define betrayal. And I'm going to show you in the scriptures tonight of how those who became friends with those of betrayal, that it stuck a generational act of betrayal that led all the way to Jesus Christ himself. And the betrayal that took place immediately upon the wise old men of the Old Testament were the very first to step up and betray Jesus. Do you disregard the guidance of your spiritual or natural parents? There is no difference. You see, I came to a very great awakening with my spiritual father. For many years, I had been using his books to help people. I've been using the internship that I went through to have methods to reach out to people and using the Bible to bring transformation in that person's life. But I found it very difficult to deal with him directly. He was strong. He was immovable. And he was so filled with truth, I could only tolerate so much at a time. I wasn't slurping it up, as they say. This went on for many, many years. I never really disassociated with him as my spiritual father. And then I had heart failure. 
Something happened during my heart failure that caused me to be a dependent leader within God's leadership team. And every one of you preachers and teachers and ministers of the gospel that are listening, you have a very special position given to you that comes with very special anointing. There's a different way to handle these leaders. And the scriptures are clear in the Old Testament as well as they are in the New Testament. If you do not follow these guidelines, you are dishonoring the God of the universe. I don't care what your religious beliefs are. This is very critical. Finally, number six, do you consider yourself unteachable? Now see, most people do consider themselves teachable. But they're not. It has already been surveyed many times that teachers themselves are rarely teachable. Teachers tend to gather data and study it themselves and teach themselves to make the decisions themselves on what they consider the most valuable information. Therefore, when they become teachers, they're very difficult people to teach. So if you're out there listening and you're thinking, of course I'm teachable because I'm a teacher. No, you just put yourself in high risk. Some of the most fearful people that walk the face of the earth are teachers. They are afraid of confrontation. They are afraid of having direct truth hit them and them not be able to figure it out quick enough. So therefore it floods their soul and causes more fears. To avoid being overwhelmed by fear, they typically avoid being taught. Don't ever forget that. If you want to know the true reasons of why people are very difficult to be taught, that is the reason. I never believe a teacher on the first run out. Because they roll with so much information to give this graven appearance that they're a great teacher, so therefore they're a great student. And that is just simply the farthest thing from the truth. The greatest students known to preachers and teachers and disciplers are broken people. Thirsty people. Hungry people who are desperately wanting counsel. They're desperately wanting discipleship. They're desperately wanting to be told what to do. Those are teachable people. Competent people are truly incompetent. Teachers typically are competent, which makes them incompetent as students. Now we can break this down. If, for some reason, you did answer the first question, which was what? Do you consider yourself what? A rebellious person. Yes, I did stack the deck on that slide. Each of those questions are right out of the Bible. The theology that God gave us 
of a verse rolling into another verse. If you answered yes to you considering yourself basically by flesh a rebellious person, you answered yes to every single question. So allow me to back up and show you those questions again at 602292982. If you answered yes to number one, number two you're guilty of, have you ever been involved in witchcraft? Yes, you have, and yes, you are. Your stubborn nature is witchcraft. Any good theologian is going to tell you that. A stubborn person is of witchcraft, divination. Three, have you ever been dishonorable to a gray-haired old man? I can guarantee you right now there is an older person in your life that you are betraying. Think about it. Number four, do you consider yourself an enemy of Christ? If you answered yes to the first one, the scriptures are going to line up right behind you and prove to you that you truly are an enemy of Christ. Now, in James, we have this verse that messes with our minds. I'm 62 years old, and I have never heard a message preached on this passage. Now, I know that there's some listener preachers and teachers that have taught on this passage, and I would love the encouragement at 602-292-2982. I would like to know there's some other leaders out there that are teaching this passage. In James chapter 4, it says, What is the source of quarrels and conflict among you? Is it not your own members waging war with itself? You have not because you ask not, because you ask with the wrong motives. Those of you who are friends with the world are an enemy of God. And those of you who are practicing being friends with the world You're storing up hostility between you and God. James is speaking to believers. Non-believers do not listen to the Bible. Most of our teachers and preachers from the New Testament were preaching and teaching to brand new believers. You see, being friends with the world you are automatically violating what we just read. It will muster in you rebellion. It will muster in and grow like a cancer until you're finally dishonoring gray-haired old wise men. Until you're so entrenched in witchcraft that you give witchcraft a definition that comes out of Daniel Webster. No, you won't. That actual definition is pretty strong. You'll have to go to the Urban Dictionary where it talks about video games and Ouija boards. That, that, that's, that's the dictionary you'll have to go to. 
And then this whole idea of disregarding the guidance of a spiritual parent or a natural parent, in the Hebrew there is no difference. Every elder person that you see walking around on the streets in the Old Testament are to be held in high honor just like your grandpa. There's no difference. And the honor that you're supposed to be showing towards your father is what we call in counseling a duh. Well, I'm afraid that even our secular sociologists are telling us that that is no longer true. It is not a duh anymore. For parents to have children that honor them in spite of circumstances. And then number six, do you consider yourself unteachable? As I said, if you answered yes in rebellion to question number one, you are confessing you are an unteachable person. And you might be the smartest, the most degreed person that is listening to this podcast. But I'm here to tell you, you're unteachable. If you violate these very issues and truths and principles being laid out before you. If you remember last week, we talked about the dishonor of Ham. Remember the story where he walked in boldly into his father's tent and saw his nakedness, came out and probably made a couple jokes to his brothers about it. You know, dad's in there butt naked. And, and, and. The first recorded story of gossip we find in the word of God. And then you had the other two brothers that seemed to be intact with not dishonoring this old man. And he was quite old. So they took the remnant of Israel and they laid it on both of their shoulders. They backed in with their heads turned and they took this remnant, this blanket of love, and covered their father's nakedness, came out of the tent without seeing their father's nakedness. Because of that, a blessing was put upon Shem as the eldest, and it has passed down to this very day. A curse was put upon Ham, and it has been passed down to this very day. I read it on the news before I came here tonight. The horrific defilement that is going on with the Ishmaelites to those of the descendants of Isaac, the battle is not over. The story of Ham, Shem, and Japheth was one of the most significant stories in the Word of God. So we talked about the remnant, that blanket that was covering the boys covered their father with. We talked about the honor and the promise of a long life that came with that. And then we also began to talk about the primary sins of millennials. Let's take a look at our scripture here tonight. This is Leviticus chapter 19, verses 30 and 32. You shall keep my Sabbath and revere my sanctuary. I am the Lord God. 
Do not turn to mediums, which are spirits that speak through human vessels. One of the most popular shows I was told today is called what again? Long Island Medium. She goes around from house to house and she reads people's minds and reads their past and does all this mysterious stuff that does seem to work. And she's become very famous and successful for having a demon speak through her. This is what this passage is talking about. If there's anyone watching that series, I would encourage you to stop immediately. It's like you're sitting in the audience watching a Satanist perform sacrificial things on your child. What entertainment is in that, in watching a demon speak through a human vessel to confuse this millennial generation? For some reason, this generation is attracted by witchcraft. They like movies that are filled with superheroes. They love movies that are filled with the dark side fighting the white side. This is not gone away. The millennials are more interested in spiritualists than they are in Christ as their primary spirit, being the Holy Spirit in them. This never goes away. This is never going to grow old in any generation. So he goes on to say, Do not turn to mediums or spiritists. A spiritist is a little different. A spiritist is a demonic spirit that guides others. You see, one is that there's a demon actually possessing this vessel, this medium, and displays itself as an unusual psychic type of person. Whereas the demonic spirit that guides others can be done through commercials, can be done through books you're reading, video games you're playing, or whatever is available for this demonic spirit. He says, do not seek them out to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. He shall rise up before the gray-haired and honor the aged. And you shall revere your God. I am the Lord. So now, here's a question I had when I uh, reviewed this passage for this message. Is why really is God connecting gray-haired old men and the honor of these gray-haired old men with sorcery? Why is that packed in together? Listener, I hope you're listening because this will set you free. The secret, the key, the golden key to deliver people from demonic strongholds is done through the elderly men. If special power and anointing is given to these older wise men of faith, when they lay hands on such a medium, there's going to be action. There's going to be deliverance. Can a young person do this? 
God can do anything he wants through any person he wants, even a donkey. But there is a direct connection here being said between the honor of gray-haired old men and this problem they seem to be having with sorcery. I personally believe when the dishonor starts to take place with the gray-haired old men, sorcery will enter your life in some fashion or another. Keep in mind, rebellion is defined in pictorial Hebrew as sorcery. This is how it works. Once you start defiling yourself with this, this world of sorcery, Spiritus, it just looks very different for us because we have movies and video games. But see, back then, they didn't have those stimuli. All they had was seeing these these humans perform miracles from Satan. You know, as the Magi threw their staffs on the floor and they turned to snakes. So Moses put his staff down on the floor, it turned to a snake as well, and it devoured the other two snakes. God clearly saying, don't mess with Moses. That's what that story is about. Don't mess with Moses. You may color those pictures any color you want, but I understand the pictorial there. Don't mess with Moses. And that young whippersnapper sitting in that gold chair thought his little magi, his little sorcerers, his mediums, his spiritists could simply impress through power. And God said, don't mess with Moses. Nobody messed with Moses from the day Moses was called into ministry. And when they did, there was trouble. Now, you might be listening right now and say, this guy's just over the top. This guy just simply is an authority freak. Yes, I am. I will go to my grave preaching and teaching this message in some fashion or another. Because I understand the connection between gray hair and mediums. I understand the connection between gray hair and sorceress. I understand the connection between gray-haired men and getting the blessing of the living God. Go ahead and defile your old men around you. Go ahead, listeners, and defile your pastor. Gossip about him. Throw a few acts of betrayal at him. You're going to pay. I promise you. Yes, even if you're an indwell believer. Indwell believers think they have their tickets. And anyone who's listened to me long enough knows that I don't believe that. I believe in the security of salvation, but I also believe in the passage where he said, those who endure to the end, those shall be saved. That is an open invite to Satan to destroy you before you die. Do you understand that? That is an invite. 
So for you to pass the test and the trials and tribulations before you becomes a salvation issue. And if you're involved in sorcery because you're a stubborn person, if you're involved in sorcery because you're a rebellious person, if you're involved in sorcery because you do not honor your spiritual and natural parents, if you're involved in sorcery for any reason, you might want to get that in your journal quickly. Because you're going to need to reread your life and see how detached you really are from the living God. Don't tell me you have a relationship with Jesus and then act like a Christ hater. I'm not going to buy it. That is an open confession to me. You are not a true indwelt believer. This passage is so filled with Hebrew word pictures, it's almost mind-bending. It would take many sermons to get through this one passage. It also says in Proverbs twenty twenty nine, The glory of young men is their strength, and the honor of old men is their gray hair. God, don't you have a little bit of an obsession over gray hair? Now, it's not necessarily the color of the hair. It is the symbol of gray hair is the evidence that is being displayed to the world that you are considered a gray-haired old person. Which, by the way, demands honor and respect. If my neighbor is a gray-haired old lady, the first thing that comes to my mind is not, I wonder if she's saved and if she's an indwell believer. The first thing that comes to my mind is to give her great honor and respect. Walk her across the street. Talk to her gently Handle her carefully. Every time you handle an older person with the proper respect and honor that God is talking about, I can assure you it's noted in heaven. I believe there will be more rewards given in heaven to those associated with honor of older people. So it is not a surprise at all of the primary movement of the millennial people today is pushing for euthanasia. You have it on the beginning side of life, abortion, and you have it on the end side of life, euthanasia. And on the beginning side, Satan has got this thing figured out. The more and more people that are born, particularly little boys, that possibly could grow up to become prophets and teachers of the people, that the more babies he slaughters and kills and murders through abortion, the less chance there is for God to have more preachers, more teachers, more ministers of the gospel. And to that I say... He's correct. This is part A.
been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.